fall, are you awake? Because I can't teach a class if you're not awake. Because I don't want to put you to sleep. So how about everybody just find somebody, get up, go shake somebody's hand, welcome them in here. Talking to you, Rod? No. <laughs> Unless you have the flu, you sit down. If you have the flu, sit down. And don't touch anybody. Awesome. Man, I'm pretty young and I got good vision, but I should have made my font bigger. <laughs> so if you see me like, it's not because I have bad vision. I feel Brother Gandy on that one. Um, so who has had an awesome week this week? Yeah, Who's had a crazy busy week this week? Who's ready to start their next crazy busy week? Yeah, yeah no, not me. Yeah, I'm ready for Saturday. I want an extra Saturday. Saturday, Sunday, Saturday, then Monday. We need to vote for an extra day. Um, but in our crazy, fast-paced world, you know, Brother Cruz was talking about chaos last week. Um, it's easy to get distracted. It's easy to get caught up in everything going on around us. And in the nonstop hustle to achieve more, we often forget our purpose and reason for being on this earth. So, life example, and I'm going to use myself as all my examples because I know a lot about me. And if I talk about the gym too much, I'm sorry. That's just something I like doing. But I find I learn a lot through going to the gym. I'm like, man, I should, I should probably be a little better in this area. Example, I go to the gym just about every day, and it's set up like a class setting. Uh, Jacob can probably testify over there about this, but I, I, got, I got pretty good friends with everybody there. And, uh, well, not that part, but what I'm about to get to. But I'm pretty good friends with everybody there. Um, I, I think it's safe to say I might be a little competitive during class. That's what Jacob can probably say. Yeah, you might need to slow down sometimes. But sometimes, um, I mean, I just really enjoy the challenge. I really enjoy working out and pushing myself and trying to be better than everybody else. And I say that, but I made a post on Instagram this morning on my story saying nobody can be better than you because you're you, you know. Um, but I do, I do try to compete with everybody, you know, because I want to be better. If somebody's stronger, I want to get stronger. If somebody's faster, I want to get faster. And I, wanna, I want them to help me grow and become better. Uh, sometimes it's bad, though. And sometimes I go into the gym and I really I just want to slow down. I want to work on maybe strength or I want to work on perf better form because if you don't have good form, you're going to hurt yourself. But during the class, as, as soon as it gets started, you know, that's my mindset going in. But as soon as it gets started, what do I do? I start going faster. I start seeing how much weight the guy beside me put on. I start getting dumb, I guess. <laughs> and I lose sight of my purpose. I went in there to get stronger. I went in there to get better at my technique. But all of a sudden, I'm over here hurting my back because, I, like, the other a couple weeks ago, I, there's this guy. He's really good. He's strong. His name's Alex. And uh, he pushes me on trying to push weight. And I knew I've never done more than 245 pounds on this certain movement. He threw 275 on there. He's like, come on, let's try it. And he did it. He did it with ease. And I allowed my pride to get inside of me. I was like, oh, I got that. And so I go do it. I dropped 275 pounds on my knee, and I, I bruised it for like a week. 
but I lost sight of my purpose, you know. And too many times we go through life and we're, we got purpose, you know, we're going to live for God, we're going to be an example of who Christ is to everybody, and then we get lost with everything going on around us. We get distracted, you know, we start seeing, well, how much money are they making? Maybe if I don't go to church tonight, I can make a little more money. Or where, do, where are they taking their family? Oh, I want to take my family there. Oh, it might cost their salvation, but we get distracted and we lose sight of our purpose. Now, I don't have a family to, to say that, but I do have myself, and I mean, that's, that's like taking care of a family. Um, like, so my personal goal that I made this year, I didn't make a resolution because I don't usually keep them, but I made a goal, um, something I want to get better at. And, and my goal, I actually heard it on the song, and uh, I was like, oh, wow, that's good. I'm going to make that my life goal for this year. Purpose over pleasure. You know, there's things, and... Like, when I eat, I love eating, and I love eating junk food. And uh, if you don't know, you might say, well, you don't look like you need to lose any weight. But I gained, in a matter of a year, 30 pounds. Now, some of that was, was a little muscle, but some of that was not muscle. And I went and got a body scan because we are having a competition at the gym. And I was like, whoa, you know, I need to slow down because I'm going in the wrong direction. And I realized when I eat, it's usually for pleasure. It's because I enjoy it. I enjoy pizza. I enjoy burgers. I enjoy all the junk food I can get my hands on. But there's purpose. I need to take care of this body and this temple. Um, and so no matter what it is and what I'm doing, I want that to be my, my, my uh, goal, purpose over pleasure. Um, like when it comes to eating, I want to do more purposeful, not pleasurable. But especially when it comes to the way I live my life, I want to live my life to be more purposeful and not just pleasurable. Not saying that pleasures are wrong, but if that becomes all you're focused on, then you might want to reassess your life. Too often we get caught up in this life and we forget our purpose. We forget God placed us on this earth and he did it for a reason. One, it's to find him. You know, and when we talk about this in class, so if you're in my class at TBC and you you hear some things I say, just ignore it and keep you keep going. But to find him and be made in his likeness is one reason we were put on this earth. But two, we were put on this earth to reach others and to be made in his image. Yeah, as much as I love working out, God did not place me on this earth to be the best athlete that I can be. And as much as I want to compete in competitions and remember, I mean, and win, I must remember that I was created for a purpose. And if I allow that to become my purpose, then I'm out of line with what God wants me to do. Winning first place is nice, but it's not as rewarding as winning a soul. There are guys at my job that I have been able to connect with on a deeper spiritual level, and I so eagerly desire to see them saved. You know, I've been working there for almost two years now. In my first year, I was just goofing off, you know, and I would make, you know, mess with everybody, make jokes, go figure. But uh, last year... um, I don't know, I guess it was mid-year last year. I was talking to one of the guys, he's, he's about my age, he's 28, I think. His name's Hayden, and we were talking, and he had some questions, and I was like, oh, wow, this is real, you know. I'm over here just playing like I'm a 23-year-old, and this dude's serious, like got some serious questions about salvation, and he's really confused, and he doesn't understand some things. You know, we, we live in a society that's not completely churched anymore. You know, it's not uncommon to find somebody that their parents didn't go to church and they didn't go to church. And they've got questions. He, so he, he, we were talking one time. He's like, man, let me play you this song. Let me see what you think about it. 
I was like, oh, great. You know, now i got to sit here and listen to the song. But he played the song, and it did have some words that were pretty vulgar in it, but it had a lot of questions, Sister Gandy. It was, uh, I don't even know this guy's name, never heard of him. I think he's from Africa or something. But uh, he was pretty much questioning, like, God, are you real, and who are you, and where are you, and how do I find you, and if you're real, can you please show yourself to me? Because what people are saying is God, it doesn't seem like God. They're not really living it the right way. And, man, I sat there, and I listened to him talk with me. He played that song, and I said, man, that, that's a heartbreaking song. He's like, man, I don't understand. You know, I don't understand who God is, and I don't understand, like, how do you believe that God is God and that God is real? And so I've been talking to him, and we talked for probably like 10 or 30 minutes. Brother might close your ears because I was on the clock when I talked to him. <laughs> that's my boss. But uh, we talked for a while, and, and he, asked, he was like, man, you got some good knowledge. I was like, yeah, man. I said, but you got you to gotta figure it out, dude. I was like, I can tell you all this, but you got to really have, have to have a desire to know who God is. He said, you know, I pray sometimes. Not all the time, but I do sometimes. He said, and I don't really know how to pray. I said, it's easy. You just talk to God. He said, well, that's what I do. And he said, you know, it, it, that does something. That prayer does something. He said, because I start feeling, feeling something. I was like, well, that's God, man. And then he kind of got nervous and because all right well I got to go finish something and so we didn't finish the conversation there but we talk here and there periodically he has questions I try to answer them the best but I realized man the biggest thing because I can't just wait for him to ask questions and I don't want to go and impose everything on him because then that pushes him away a little bit but the biggest thing I can do is live like Christ lived that's the best way that I can uh, witness to him is to live like Christ lived you know God's really been working me over He's been changing me, and it's not all easy. It comes with its pains, but I'm realizing that I must rein back my mind back in and line it up with the mind of Christ. In a sense, I must recalibrate to make sure that I'm on the same page as him. Right. Romans 12, 1 through 2 in the NIV version, just I think every scripture I read is going to be in the NIV. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We must be willing, we must willingly give our lives over to God and continue to live in a way that is pleasing to him. It's not always easy, but once you, like, like eating, like I love broccoli when I'm eating it for a while, but if I stop eating broccoli... And uh, then I try to go buy it. It'll sit in the fridge. It'll sit in the, I've got, I got some broccoli in the fridge right now I need to throw away because it stinks. Because I don't want to eat it. And I only eat it raw. I can't eat steamed or cooked broccoli. But it's hard when I fall out of the habit of eating it. And just like we're living for God, it's hard when you fall out of the habit of doing right to do right. So we must not conform to this world around us, but we've got to be transformed. We've got to live life like Christ. And that's what I want to talk about today is life like Christ. Not conformed means it's translated to not be fashioned after or patterned after this world. The word world is aeon in the scripture, and it simply means the age, referring to the temporal customs and the patterning of our society. So it says don't be conformed to everything going on around you. Not to the planet, because we're human and we're made out of the planet, but everything going on around you. What people say is cool now, don't be conformed to that, because one, it's going to change. But two, it's no, we're not of this world. 
We've got to, our mind has got to be heavenly. This verse isn't just insisting that we desire differences in just dress, but it's talking about the world's value system. With this world values, we don't need a value. The standards of success are not the same standards of success in living for God. You can be rich in God and be poor on this earth, and the world will call you a failure. But what they don't understand is that when this is all over, you're not the real failure. You know, we, we, and I, I don't, you know, Kobe Bryant just passed away, and he's an awesome guy. He did a lot of great things on this earth. I don't know where his salvation was. You know, I think they were Catholic. I don't, I don't exactly know everything about him. I haven't studied his life. But I was thinking it's, you know, he, he worked so hard on this earth to be the best basketball player he could be, and he's one of the best. He worked so hard to pour into other people, and he did an awesome job. And you know, I'm thinking how, how amazing athletes work. They work hard to be the best they can be, and it convicted me. Because how hard do we work as Christians to be the best Christian we can be? This should be our number one goal. Can I, how, am I the best Christian that I am, or can I be better? You know, they, they stay up, they wake up early. Athletes wake up early, and they go to sleep late. And all they do is work, work, work. Yeah, they, they take time to recover, but it's a part of their working process. So how much do we do that? You know, how, much, how early do we get up to pray? And I'm guilty, sometimes I wake up just in time to get to work. But how often do we wake up early to say, God, I just need to spend some time with you. How often are our minds, how, how, how can I better talk about this? Or how can I better study this part of the word of God to understand it? Or what can I do for the church to help with this? Or, and how, or are lives consumed with the world system or with God's system? You know, we should not conform to this world around us and allow it to consume our mind. We've got to remember that this world is not our home. We're living for something greater and our life must show it. Rich or poor, our value system doesn't come from this earth and the things within. As I'm not saying that you can't have nice things, but what I'm saying is that if you're putting all your eggs into this world, into this basket of this world, that's not going to hold them. You might want to reevaluate your system, your life, if, if all you're doing is putting your, your treasure into this world. I think the Bible, yeah, the Bible does, I think. It tells us to store up treasure in heaven where it won't be corroded. Where your treasure is, your heart will also be. So you could think of it this way. Are you going to store your heart in this world or are you going to store it in heaven? It says be transformed. So we're, not, we're to let ourselves be transformed by the renewing of our mind. This passage isn't of the new birth experience alone because most of the original audience in this portion of scripture, which was Romans, they had already had the Holy Ghost. They had already been renewed. But it's referring to becoming progressively more Christ-like in every way possible, which takes place by the renewing and remolding of our mind, taking on the mind of Christ, valuing based on heavenly standards and spiritual principles. This comes by getting engulfed in the Word of God, reading it, studying it, praying it, listening to God, listening to sermons, meditating on the Word of God, just thinking about it is what that's saying. If you got a scripture, just think about it and let God speak to you. Allowing the Spirit of God to lead you and guide your life. When we're filled with the Holy Ghost and we delight in Him, He gives us the desires of our heart. Psalm 37 says that. The enemy wants nothing but for us to be distracted and get consumed with everything else around us in our life. 
But God wants to help us. He wants to fill us with the Holy Ghost so we're not conformed to the chaos like Brother Cruz was talking about. That is all around us. So we're not worried about what everybody else is going on, what they have, what we don't have. We're, but we're content with where we are and we're clinging on to heaven. You see, the enemy wants to do nothing but sift us as wheat. He wants to scramble our mind like an egg. You know, I think Brother Gidrose preached about that. But I remember in Bible college, Brother, uh, I can't think of his name. That awesome brother. Um, he taught us, he preached a lesson about the enemy just wants to sift you as wheat. And he was like, guys, you know, you're in, you're in a young age. You're, you're here in Bible college and you're trying to learn, but the enemy just wants to destroy you. Don't get distracted by everything going on around you. Keep your mind focused on God and cling to him. God told Peter in Luke 22, 31 through 34, Satan desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat, but I prayed for you. So one, find you a praying friend, you know. It's good to have friends, and it's good to have really close friends. So I got a really close friend. His name is Nick. It's not me. It's the Nick Beard, Brother Nick Beard. Uh, his wife says, because their daughter has a friend. Her name's Addison. They're really close. I, it's best to find you a friend with the same name. <laughs> we think a lot alike, um, but we're good friends, and it's good because he's like, he'll pray, and I'll pray for him, and he prays for me, and we work together, so it makes it easy to talk all the time, but I text him a lot, too. I probably bug him. But he find you a good friend. I can't say that enough. Like, it's good to have friends, but find you someone you can trust, someone you can talk to. Like a friend, like, like he can come up to me and say, hey, man, I think you're wrong here. And I might get upset, but I can go back to him like, hey, I think you were right. You are right. Thank you. You know, I, I always knew I would measure a good friend by if they were willing to tell me the hard things. If you, if you have a friend, they're not, they're not willing to tell you the hard things. It, you don't got a good friend. You know, like I, I told him, he might get mad I say this. But I said, hey, man, you been eating right? He was like, no. I said, yeah, I can tell. <laughs> it's just a joke. I like, to, I like to keep him accountable. But he keeps me accountable, too. Like, I'll be eating. I had cheesecake the other day at work. He's like, man, I don't, I don't know if that's on your diet, is it? Like, I don't think it is, but my mom ate it. <laughs> but find you a good friend, really. Someone that can say, hey, man, I, I see what you're going through, but and I'm praying for you. You know, if you need me, your brother Jonah was talking about alone, people being alone. You know, it's too many people alone. We're in a world full of digital media because we're all connected, but we're so disconnected. Yeah. You know, put the phone away. Say, hey, you want to go get coffee? You know, how many people did that? How many people called somebody this week and went and hung out with them? Sister, did you, you get a golden star. <laughs> But really, do it. I know it's hard. We've got life. It's busy. But you can add a friend in there somewhere. Invite them to your house. You know, I told, uh, I texted Brother Nick actually during that uh, lesson last week. And I was like, man, I think, uh, I think Jonah's been uh, eavesdropping on our conversations. Because when Brother, uh, Brother Phyllis was teaching or preaching last week, I, I was, God had kind of spoken to me. And, he, you know, he was talking about digging wells and, uh, God kind of put in my heart, like, you know, you can't dig a well alone. You can try, but you're not going to get very far. You know how deep those wells are? But when we're working together, when we're together, when we're doing life together, that's our, that's our motto for the church, we do life together. It makes a big difference, and it's a lot less hard on yourself. 
But Satan realized that Peter was capable of great things and he was chosen to do special things. And so he, he desired to sift him as wheat. He was not quite in a refined state of his life. Uh, and the enemy was hoping to catch him and to destroy him. So God prayed for him. Likewise, the enemy wants nothing but to catch us while we, he can. While we will not reach a perfected state until we're with God in heaven. And he calls up the church. But until then... He wants to destroy us while we have flesh. Until then, we are struggling in our flesh. And in this business, busyness of life, the enemy wants to get us distracted and to sift us as wheat. He wants to mill and grind us to where we're no longer concerned with our purpose for living. But we've got a new purpose, a worldly system purpose. So we must learn to live life as Christ lived. In a world that demands attention, Follows, likes, comments, instant service, next day delivery, and everything at the snap of a finger, we must push away from that table and find Christ. We must get away and get alone with him until he's consumed us and transformed us like the scripture in Romans said. To be like Christ, we must look like Christ. We are told that we become like the people we spend most of our time with. So I got a question for you. Do people see Christ when they see you, or do they see your friends? How much time are you spending with Christ? In our X class last week, we talked about Christ being the chief cornerstone, meaning he's the stone that, and the one that everything is based on. And if you want to know something about the Bible, you'll look to Christ for clarity. Um, if you want to know how to be the best Christian possible, you know what you do? You look to Christ. He's the one that we are to base all of our life on. Everything hinges on him. He's the center of it all. So in the Old Testament time, and I think they still do this, but it's a little different. They, they can use all these scopes and cool stuff, technology now, to build buildings. But in the Old Testament time, when they would put stones down, they would put one there. Like, say, this is the cornerstone right here, and everything based on... This, everything this building would be made out of would be based on the stone. So they would take a string. If they were going to make a wall, Brother Adam, because I would make a crooked wall. I spur the mic. I made some boxes at work, and he'll, he'll always come up to me. Is that squared? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> no, it's not. I was like, well, I, I guess no. But uh, they would take it, and they would take a string, like, like a chalk string, and they would pull it out and then snap it. And based on that, that is where that wall will go. And Based on this, that's where that wall will go, and that's where that wall will go. And based on this, we're going to measure it to see if it's squared. And based on this stone, we're going to build this building. And that's what Christ is to the Bible. Based on who he is, everything in this Bible is based on. And so when we live our life as a Christian, we've got to look back to this Bible and say, am I lining up with it? Because maybe, Brother Adam you're going to be my other end of the wall. And this is the stone, and this is Christ, and I'm trying to get over there. We'll say he's patience. And I think I'm living patient, but then I look to the Bible, and I'm like, well, I guess I'm not really that patient. I need to get in line, get in line with the Word of God. That's how it's supposed to be done. So he's the chief cornerstone. And I can't, I've got a few minutes left, so I can't go over every single thing that we're supposed to be, how to live life like Christ, but you can, because you got this Bible, and you're, you know, if you want to be like Christ, you got to pray anyways to talk to him because you're going to be like the people you hang around. So pick up that word. But the Bible speaks of man in the image of God. 
It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the flesh of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle. And I'm just going to skip on through that. It's talking about in the cultural and linguistic setting of the Old Testament in the ancient Near East. Likeness specifies a relationship between God and humans such as Adam can be described as the son of God. So he said, let us make, let us make man in our likeness. Let, let him be my son. You know, that vertical relationship. And then he said, let him make, let's make him in my image so he can reach this world and he can image me to everybody he goes around, that horizontal relationship. So in essence, God placed us on this earth to first have relationship with him vertically and second, to represent him to this world horizontally. And don't expect to go and reach everybody in this world if you don't got this right, you know, Brother Wolford back at TBC used to say, he used to use the cross as an example, and I think I used this last time, but he used to use the cross as an example of how to live for God. He said, God could only reach out so far because he went so deep. And if you want to have a big impact on this world, if you want to win people for Christ, you got to go deep. If you don't have that relationship with God right, don't ever expect to win somebody with your relationship in this world, because if you're not imaging him, then it doesn't matter. He asked us to be his ambassadors on this planet. He stated, Paul stated in 2 Corinthians 5.20 that we're ambassadors for Christ. We represent him to this world, so everything that we do must represent him. So when people look at you, who are they seeing? Are they seeing just a normal person, or are they seeing someone that is doing life like Christ? It's sad when you meet someone who has had a bad taste, who's had a bad taste of Christians in their mouth. Yeah. Oh, you're a Christian? Okay, I'll see you later. It, it, when I was in Lufkin, I worked at a Hobby Lobby, and there was, um, there was this church in Wales. It's called the Church of Wales. I don't know much about it. I know it's a bit different. Um, but there was a guy that worked there, and when I, I started there, Brother Woodford's son-in-law actually worked there, and he was telling me, he was like, hey, man, watch out for this guy. And So I'd go talk to another employee, and he was like, so you go to church? Were you like, that guy? I can't remember Brother Woodford's son-in-law. He's like, are you like that guy or are you like that guy from Wales? It's like, I'm like that guy. <laughs> but I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. Uh, in Luke 22, 54 through 62, we notice Peter denying Jesus as it had been said he would. The enemy tried to catch Peter, but we move forward to Acts after Peter and spent a little more time with Jesus after he got the Holy Ghost, after he was transformed, his mind was changed, and then we see him preaching the gospel in Acts 2. An interesting point is made in verse 13 when Luke records the thinking of the priests and rulers. It says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. It wasn't until after Peter had got a little bit more with Jesus that people realized, hey, he's been with Jesus. At first it was like, you're with him. No, I'm not. Yeah, you are. No, I'm not. Yeah, no, I'm not. Okay, you're not with Jesus. And then he's like, I'm with Jesus, because Jesus got a hold of his heart. So when people see us day by day, they must see us representing Christ from the, we, the way we speak to the way we treat others, the way we talk. You know, Proverbs 18.21 says, the tongue has the power of life and death. Luke uh, 6.45, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Is your heart full of Jesus? Is it full of the world? 
James 119 says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. You know, Sister Gandhi, I heard, I was listening to a podcast one time, and I heard it was probably the most profound thing I've ever heard. And it was very simple. It said, you know, you cannot spread your health, but you can spread sickness. And, uh, and I was listening to that. I was like, wow, you know, that is so true. I can be as healthy as I want, but I can't spread it. But if I'm sick, if I've got the flu, no one's going to want to be around me. <laughs> but I can spread it easy. And if my tongue is full of sickness, you know how easy it is to spread that? I've got I've to have a healthy tongue. I may not be able to spread my health, but I can speak life. And we've got to watch what we say because we can even say the right thing and it sound and it sound wrong. I've learned that you could say the right thing and you can be right, but it could destroy somebody else. And I and I've learned personally, I gotta watch what I say. Because even if I'm saying the truth, it might destroy somebody else. Don't spread sickness. If you're sick, get with a great physician. Get with God and let him heal you. Let him heal your heart. You know, how we talk and what we say to people matters. How can we dream of reaching people if all we've done is tear them down with our words? Nobody wants to hear a gospel from you if you've hurt them with your tongue. You know, a wise woman once told me that words are like arrows. You're wise, sis. Words are like arrows because when you shoot them out, they're not coming back. They're out there. And when you pierce somebody, you can't go and take it back. So you got to be careful what you say, especially if you want to win people. Christ was careful with what he said. Are we treating people the way Christ treated people? Do we bear with each other and forgive one another? Do we forgive as the Lord forgave us? Do we do to others what we want them to do to us? Titus 2 and 7 says, And everything set, the, set them an example by doing what is good. Set this world an example by doing good. 1 John 4 19 says, We love because he first loved us. So how do you love or do you even love? You know, John 13, 35 says, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love, have love one toward another. I think too often as a church we don't love enough. I'm not saying you don't love, but we don't love enough. God called us to love. He called us to love like him. And I know it's, it's almost time, but I want to finish this. In Matthew 22, 36 through 40, it says, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor yourself as the law. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. It's love. And if we want to live like Christ lived, we've got to love. Love. Vertically, we're called to love him so we can be made in his likeness. Horizontally, we're called to love them so we can be made in his image. By this, all will know that we are disciples of Christ. In this, the law and the prophets hang. If we want to do like Christ, we must first learn to love like Christ. That means getting over your selfish pride and saying, I forgive you. Now, you don't have to go say it verbally, but you can act it out. You can treat that person that's done you wrong, treat them with love, confuse them. How can we be more like him unless we look like him? Love changes everything. The Corinthians were gifted. They were a gifted church, Sister Gandy. But Paul said, hey, I got a more excellent way in the end of 12, chapter 12. 
So I got a more excellent way. And he goes on to the love chapter in thir- chapter 13. And he says, if you do all this, but you don't have love, it's meaningless. It's pointless. Who's ever heard an orchestra play? I, I actually kind of like it. I haven't listened to it as much. I used to, in high school, I was a bit of a nerd. I'd go play chess and listen to the orchestra in my head when I quit football. Uh, but I love the orchestra. And Paul, what Paul is saying is, if without love and being gifted, you know, we could be the best church in Tyler, but without love, we're not going to reach anybody. And so what he was saying is, it's like sitting in a symphony, hearing the beautiful orchestra, and then all of a sudden, ding, 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 somebody just starts clanging cymbals. If you don't have love, that's what it's like when you're living a life for Christ. So if we want to live like Christ first, we got to love like Christ. Loving like God does more good than we could ever do. We'll love per- we won't love perfectly, but we're called to try. And we can love as good as we can in our redeemed state of mind. If we want to change the world, and if we want to reach Tyler, then we must first start living like Christ. And the beginning is to love like Christ. And then to look at the word and base everything else in your life on that. But I'm telling you, if you're loving like Christ, everything's going to follow through. Because if you're loving, you're going to forgive. If you're loving, you're going to put your pride aside. And if you're loving, you're going to worship him no matter what. Awesome. I want to thank you all for the opportunity. And go love like Christ and, and text somebody this week and get together and become better. Become better people. Let's be a better church.